Hi everyone, welcome again to the Word at Work, final part in our series in Matthew chapters 8 to 10. Uh, we'll be looking at Matthew 10, which is a really long chapter. I won't have time to go into all the detail of it, but we'll draw out uh, one, of the, one of the big messages from this, uh, this chapter. Um, but to start, think about the mindset of, of the disciples at this point, um, as Jesus kind of prepares to send them on, on, on mission kind of with him. A, a few weeks or months before this, uh, some of them were fishermen. One of them was a tax collector, complete outcast from any kind of um, religious calling. Um, now, these guys are the inner circle of the greatest preacher anybody has ever heard. He's been performing miracles. Uh, they don't quite yet know who he is. The penny drops in Matthew 16 where they first identify him as, as the Christ. Um, they know nothing of his crucifixion. For now, they just see thousands and thousands of people gathering. It's the biggest news story of their region. They get to kind of sit on the tour bus with this guy. Um, what's more, if you look at 10 verse 1, Jesus says to them, look, you're going to now have authority to do these miracles. Um, how are they going to be feeling right now as they get ready for this mission? I reckon they're thinking, bring it on. This is amazing. So, with that in mind, Jesus needed to prepare the disciples for what it's really going to be like now and in the future when he's not physically with them. Up to verse 15 in, in Matthew 10, Jesus has um, one eye on the immediate mission that he's sending them out on right now. I think from verse 16 onwards, he's got an eye on what they'll be doing kind of in the book of Acts when he's not physically with them, that sort of mission period. So there'll be, there'll be things in Matthew 10 which apply quite specifically to the disciples then as they go out on their mission with Jesus. There'll be some things which apply to them after Jesus' ascension, when, they are, you know, when the church is growing. Um, but then there'll certainly be some, some core principles and warnings and encouragements which apply to any of Jesus' disciples even 2,000 years later. It's a long passage. I just want to focus on the key thing that Jesus is preparing them for. Uh, you see, most of all, I think what Jesus wants to prepare them for is the fact that he is going to cause division. Their message about him is going to cause division. Uh, that's important for us today. We live in, in an increasingly pluralistic society, uh, one which wants to play down any kind of exclusive claim about Jesus Christ, that he is the only way to God. Uh, there'll be a certain picture of Jesus that the world accepts, perhaps this kind of peace-loving, hippie-type figure. When we go to the world with the message that Jesus is the only way to find a relationship with God, the only way to escape judgment, well, then we'll see how divisive that can be. Let's see how Jesus prepares disciples. Uh, pick up verse 7. He says to them, as you, proclaim, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The message they have to preach, verse 7, is, is, is that the kingdom of heaven has come near. So Jesus, the Son of God, the King of the kingdom, he's arrived. Wherever he is, the kingdom is broken in. And so he is now calling sinners to repent and come into that kingdom. And that is a message of God's grace and generosity, that sinners can now enter the kingdom. And so verse 8, freely you receive, freely give. The disciples haven't earned their privileged position. They haven't earned their access to the kingdom. And so in turn, if they've received it by grace, they must pass it on freely as well. What about those who reject the disciples and their, and their message? Well, here's one way in which Jesus causes division. Look at verse 14. 
If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. That's a sign of kind of judgment. We're done with you. We're shaking the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Sodom and Gomorrah, of course, the, the, the ultimate Old Testament example of sinfulness and depravity that results in God's righteous judgment. This is how divisive Jesus is. Towns that reject his messengers back then would suffer a worse fate than even Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, whether people accept or reject Jesus defines their eternal destinies. He says a similar thing in, in 10 verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. I heard a story many years ago about a famous South African businessman. His name was Eric Ellerine. Do you remember the Ellerine's furniture shops? I think they're closed down now. Anyway, uh, what he used to do every day at his head office is there was, a, there was a clipboard in the reception. And if you're an employee there, you had to come in before 8 o'clock and write your name when you arrived. But every single morning at precisely 8 o'clock, the boss man, Eric Ellerine, would walk down with a ruler and a big red pen and he would, at 8 o'clock, he would draw a line under the last name. And then anybody who arrived after 8 o'clock would have to write their name below the red line. And at some point in that day, they'd need to pay a visit to the boss and explain why they were late. That's old school HR. Um, well, every single human being's eternal destiny depends on what side of the line they're on in relation to Jesus. He's that dividing line. If they're willing to identify with him, if they've accepted him as king and placed their trust in him as savior, well, then they're on the right side. So there's, there's a lot at stake in this mission that the disciples are on, the mission that we're on. We're not asking people in the face of a, of a nice menu of kind of valid options to, oh, please, would you just join our club if it's not too much trouble? No, the, the mission is to announce that Jesus is the only valid option. And so it makes sense that as you share that message, it's going to prompt opposition. That's another way in which Jesus divides. Look at verse 17 and 18. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, verse 18, you'll be brought before governors and kings. Verse 22, you'll be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Everyone here is not literally everyone, otherwise there wouldn't be a mission field. Jesus means here... All types of people, all cultures, all race groups, all nationalities uh, will be kind of hardwired to oppose him and his message. And then in verse 24 to 25, he gives a, a little parable to drive home the point that his disciples will be persecuted specifically because of their relationship with him. Look at verse 24. The student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. Remember back in 9 verse 34, the Pharisees called Jesus demonic. They said he's doing the miracles by the power of Satan. Well, if that's how the people treated Jesus, they'll treat his disciples the same way. As Jesus prepares his disciples then and now, he wants us to know what to expect. 10 verse 34, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, a dividing sword. With these things clear in our minds, we can make sense of verse 16. I think it's a key verse in the whole passage, and it gives a really helpful picture. 
We'll, we'll close with this, verse 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Pretty shocking, isn't it? Here's the good shepherd. We saw last time he's got compassion for the lost sheep. He gathers the sheep, but then he also sends the sheep out amongst the wolves. I googled the other day, kind of Jesus and sheep. And you look at the Google images and you get some wonderfully cheesy, cheesy images of Jesus with a blow wave hair and the rainbow in the background and he's carrying a little lamb on his shoulders. And that's the image we get of Jesus and sheep. Funny enough, no images of Jesus sending those sheep out to the wolves, which is what he's doing here. But he, he says this here lovingly to prepare his followers so they understand the reality of the mission they're going on. How then should they act on this mission? Will therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Snakes in that culture were seen as shrewd and, and prudent and hard to catch, certainly not naive. But um, this could easily be seen as just a call for his followers to be kind of just only ever cunning and devious. So you've got to include the other half of the verse as well, which is the call to be innocent as doves, because doves are, are simple and gentle and, and innocent. In summary, like snakes, be shrewd and prudent. Know what you're in for and avoid the attacks where possible. Have that sort of that far-sighted realism as you go about your mission. But also, be like doves. Be innocent and open. Not, not so cautious and shrewd that you just stay in the shadows. Be kind of open enough to keep on going, sharing this wonderful message of forgiveness. You get, you get a little example of this actually in Jesus in his final hours. You see in the crucifixion accounts, as he's unjustly tried and, and crucified, he knows exactly what's going on. Uh, he, he's actually in complete control. Um, the Pharisees think they're bringing an end to things, but Jesus is, I guess, shrewd like a, like a snake in that sense. He knows what's happening. But at the same time, what does he do? As he hangs on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Innocent like a dove, looking for any opportunity to, to call people to forgiveness. Same for us today, we, we can, as we go about Jesus' mission, we can know what to expect. We shouldn't be unprepared or naive about what it's going to be like. At the same time, always being innocent enough to keep on offering this wonderful message of forgiveness. That's it for our, our short series in Matthew 8 to 10. Um, look, if ever you're in the deep south, the Fishhook area, we'd love you to, to join us at St. Peter's. Uh, you can yeah, easily find our website or our YouTube channel. Uh, but we'd love to see you in person if we're ever allowed to do that again. Cheers.